So I'm not bowing my head. <laughs> We're not going to blame God on this. We'll just see how it goes. If you would turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 1. Just going to be there briefly to introduce what the Lord has placed on my heart. This past week I was reading just a short section of a book called uh, The Supernatural Ways of uh, Royalty. The Supernatural Ways of Royalty, written by a guy named Chris Vallotton. Uh, he's part of Bill Johnson's ministry in Redding, California. And uh, just a few things there just really caught my attention, and I began to study and began to look at this passage because I knew when it resonated within me that God was speaking something that was relevant to me and that would be relevant to us. Revelation chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him, who's lo- to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and had made us to be kingdom and priest, to serve his, to serve his God and Father, to, be, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Please notice within that passage, and from, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. And then notice that he has made us to be kings and priests in verse Six. At some point in our Christian life, we are going to have to believe, and I mean believe, not think, but we're going to have to believe that Jesus actually came to this earth to bring a supernatural reality to our natural questions. And I want to tell you, for the majority of the church, we don't live like we believe that yet. That Jesus came to this earth to bring a supernatural reality to all of the questions that form in our natural mind, in our natural heart. At some point, we're going to have to believe that he died and that he rose again so that we might be free. At some point, it would be very nice for the church to actually believe that he did that for us. Because I want to tell you, there is equally as much bondage within the church, within the minds and the bodies and the hearts of the people within the church as there is on the outside of the church. At some point, we're going to have to believe that he died and that he rose again, that we might be free. At some point, we're going to have to believe that he made us a new creation. And I am not bound up by my past. That the old has passed away and the new has come. And I can trust that reality. It would be very nice if the church would believe it. At some point, we're going to have to believe that He has given us, as it was given to Him, the Holy Spirit. At some point, we're going to have to believe that. We can absolutely continue to refuse. And because of our refusal, we shut off the power that we're supposed to have. I, before I get back, there's an editorial comment that I'm going to make, and I don't do this very often. I preached a sermon about two years ago on this truth. That many of us today, and I heard some comments yesterday, we were at a funeral up north uh, uh, past Spring Lake, between Spring Lake and Demet, we were at a funeral up there, sitting in lunch with a guy, and he's talking about the fact 
that he's beginning to believe that our government is seeding the clouds so that it won't rain here. It took every, every ounce of me to not speak until I kind of processed the ridiculousness of that statement. That he actually, and he said, he said, it took me a while to finally believe it, but he said, I finally believe it, that the government is, instead of seeding the clouds to rain, every time you see a cloud, you see a plane in front of it, and the clouds just go away. So our government is stopping us, stopping it from raining in West Texas. And he believes it. And I know that every one of us have different issues with our government. But I want to tell us just a little bit of history. Because the way our government was supposed to work was that the church that God established by His Spirit, by the death, the burial of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection, and through the giving of the Holy Spirit, the church was the beginning of this. Of this. And from that church, families were supposed to grow strong in faith and belief. And from those families, we sent representatives to the government. The government is not broken. It's the church that is broken. If you want to point some fingers somewhere, look right here. We're the ones broken, and nobody took it from us. No government demanded of us. We surrendered the Holy Spirit and wonder why there's no power and why nobody wants what we offer because we don't have anything to give that's any different than they have because we shut off the flow of the supernatural reality when we held up our hands and said no to the Holy Spirit. That ought to have got more amens than that. There we go. I'm, I'm, if, if you don't do it, I'll do like Bill Johnson. I'll step down there and I'll amen myself and I'll come back and do it again. <laughs> At some point, we're going to have to believe that he has made us kings and priests. We don't talk about this very much. We don't teach very much. Sadly, we don't talk about the priesthood of the believers very much. And I don't ever hear us teaching on the fact that the king's when he's called the king of kings, he's not talking about being the king of the kings of the, world, of the earth. It's not an organizational chart that says King Jesus sits up here and the kings of our land, our governmental kings, sit next. That is not what he's talking about. Who did he make kings? It says it in Revelation chapter 1. Who are the kings of the earth? We are. He's the king of us. He's not talking about somebody in a governmental position. He says he's the king of the kings. He's describing who we are in relationship to who He is. And some of us aren't acting like royalty. And I want to talk about this this morning. Why do we struggle with it? Because most of us believe that being a king somehow is about ruling or reigning or dominating someone else. We believe that it means that we're that we're over, that we are ruling over someone. But I want to tell you, if we understand who King Jesus is, we'll understand that becoming a king or being called into royalty, as all of us are, is absolutely a humbling experience. Why? It's because He is calling us to come under an authority so that we can be empowered to serve someone else. It's not about ruling over somebody. It's coming under an authority that King Jesus gives us so that we can be the king who, like him, serves others. 
That's why I want to tell you why we need to be royalty is because until I believe that I'm royalty, I will not believe for a second that I have anything to give anybody else. He says today, and I want to tell you, for most of us, if I would have, if I would have marked off like we did a couple of years ago, I marked a section right here that says, reserved for the leadership of the church. What was I hoping that would happen? I was hoping that everybody would come in and sit in that section realizing that we're all leaders within this church. If I were to mark off a section this morning that says, reserved for the royalty, how many of us would have come in and very naturally sit down in that section? We might have if it had gotten us in our pew. If our pew would have been in that section, we might have got in there. Yeah, because I guarantee if I'd have marked off this, Janice and Jolene would have been queens in royalty. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because we know where you're going to be. We don't see ourselves this way. We don't even consider ourselves this way. But it's absolutely about being empowered by the authority of God to serve and to lead others in grace and kindness and love and compassion. It's about leadership. Jan read a quote to me yesterday uh, when the, when the movie The Monuments Men came out, we haven't gone to see it yet, but Jan also saw the, an advertisement that there was a book, The Monuments Men, so that was one of the things I got her for Valentine's Day. So she was reading it, and when we were traveling yesterday, she read me a quote. It was, the book was written by a, a guy named Robert M. Edsel, and he was talking about this guy, named, and I will not pronounce this correctly, but it was Jacques Jujard, is, what, is the way I would pronounce it, the director of the French National Museums. And when Hitler was moving through France, they were trying their best to get these, these artifacts, these museum pieces moved and out of their way so that Hitler couldn't take them. So he was responsible for moving these tremendous pieces of work. They were moving an 11-foot-tall marble statue of the goddess Nike. It was made of marble, but it was actually marble shards that had been put back together. So here was this statue, and he was trying to move it, 11 feet tall. And he realized that if he broke it, that would probably be the end of his job and the end of his career. But the quote here is powerful. It's better to assume the burden of leadership than to drift along in the shadows. I want to tell you, we have many, many drifters. Many who are in the shadows because we don't understand who we are. We don't understand that as royalty we are called into the role of leading and being compass showing compassion and giving direction and kindness to, to the people around us. And I want to tell you, if we don't do it as the church, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it under an authority of God because there's no one else? We are, we are who God chose to be kings and priests. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 21 and 22, it says, under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. It's profound. Let me read that part again. It's verse 21. Under three things the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. And there's four things listed immediately after, and I'm not going to read all four, I'm just going to read one. The very first one in verse 22 that it says, one of the things that will make the earth tremble and that will make the earth where it cannot bear up 
is a servant or a pauper who becomes king. Why in this adage in Proverbs, this truth within Proverbs, is that warning given about one of the things that the earth cannot stand is a servant, a pauper, who becomes king? That sounds so odd because that's exactly what we would expect. That, that, isn't that a picture of Jesus who was poor and, and, and is king? So how, what's this truth? What are, the, what are they talking about? Here's what he means. A king who has been made a king externally can free or lead no one if there's not kingship inside of him. If there's not an internal king, then something's going to go drastically wrong if he's an external king. Because what will happen? A king who is internally a slave. And I want you to think about this because this is, he's talking about us. A king who is internally a slave, broken by bondage, who, who has never received the freedom or understand the royalty that comes with it, when we step into positions of power, what's going to come out is cruelty and hardship and arrogance and pride. And I know that to be true because the majority of my Christian life, I was a pauper who had been made a king. And I know the result. When God, had, as, as a little boy, had established kingship in me, but I was still a slave to being poor and to the mind and the emotions that I carried, I was a pauper who had become king, and I want to tell you, many of you suffered at the hands of that fellow, of that guy, a pauper who had become a king, and witnessed the arrogance and witnessed the pride that came with it. Until, the, until God did a mighty work in me and he took me apart, and I've shared that testimony many times, and I'm not going to get into it again, but God had to take me apart 20 years ago so that I could actually be standing here today with no pride in this statement. But he has made a king inside me so that I can rule as a king outside of me. And that's an absolute truth, and I'm not bragging. Because all I should be saying is, I should be saying it to a group of people who are saying, yep, that's exactly true of me as well. I am a king internally, and he has made me a king externally. And so I have the opportunity to touch, love, guide, bring goodness patience and virtue, honesty and integrity to the world around me. Royalty being royalty. We as kings are called to bring freedom and true identity to hearts that have been broken and weighed down by rejection and disappointment and oppression. I'll process that for just a minute. Ask yourself, is, is that you? And I want, to, I want to be very careful how I say this because I understand that this, God's design for this church is to be an emergency room. So there are people sitting here this morning with many needs. There's nothing wrong with the many needs that you bring. But I also want you to know that you're bringing it into a place where freedom is being offered. And you don't have to leave under the same brokenness and the same bondage because freedom is here today for you. You don't have to come back next week and, and next week and a year later and two years later still living under the same bondage because the God who brings freedom is here today and he wants to offer it to you because he wants you to be out from under that bondage so that you can become the royalty that he needs you to be as you go out into the world.
So to you sitting here today who, are, who will say, yeah, I have needs, but I also recognize that God has established me in a, in a role of royalty. Are you bringing, are you every day lessening someone's burden, bringing goodness and healing, joy and patience and virtue into the lives of the people around you because that's who you are called to be. That's who we are called to be. And boy, my, my prayer honestly before you is that some of you today will maybe for the first time recognize that you're royalty. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'll end with this passage and just a few more comments. 1 Samuel chapter 10, I'm going to begin with verse 20. This is an amazing story that actually goes back into 1 Samuel chapter 9 when Saul is being chosen to be king over Israel. 1 Samuel 10, verse 20, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri, or Matri was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, when they began to look for him, he could not be found. So he, he had already been anointed. God had already spoken. God had already established that Saul was to be king. Samuel had already anointed his head, had already spoken over him, and this is the public announcement. This is when that which had been done in private is fixing to be known to the world that Saul is a king. Think about that for a moment because it's not whether or not you have already been made a king, you have already been made royalty. That has already been done. What has happened to the public announcement? And I want to tell you, when they got ready to announce you, most of us were absent from the moment that we were announced to be royalty. He could not be found. Verse 22, Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. He's hid himself, according to some of your Bibles, among the baggage. How odd that seems. How strange that picture. The announcement had already come. The, anointment had, the anointing had fallen. He had, been, he had been anointed with oil. Samuel had acknowledged that you are the, next, that you are the first king of Israel. And it comes time for the public reality of it. And he's hid himself among the baggage, among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him. And when he stood among the people, he was hither higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God, save the king. Saul was king because God had made him king. You are royalty because God has made you royalty. You can't change that fact. If you are a believer today, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you are the child of a king which makes you royalty. By his blood, you are royalty. He was king because God had anointed him to be king, but he was hidden among the baggage. We too are kings, but we're hiding out among the baggage. Man, 
how much baggage as Christians we carry. How many broken opinions, broken ideas, broken thoughts are the baggage that no longer that will not allow for the reality of your royalty to show up into the presence of someone else's life. So that you can be good and gracious and kind, not as just as, as, a, as, a, as a pauper can, to share goods with each other. As a king, I get to share the reality of heaven with you. Because as, a, as, a, as royalty, I have access to the things of heaven instead of just being able to reach into my empty pocket and share the emptiness of that with somebody else. That's a pauper sharing with a pauper. I'm a king. I'm royalty sharing with someone in need. We hide among our own timidity saying, it's just not me, I'm not a king, I'm kind of a background guy. No, you're not. To someone, you're the out front guy. Whether it's in a nursery or in a Sunday school class, somewhere you're the person out front who is king and royalty and demonstrating that to someone. We hide among our business and our busyness and saying that I have a justification. I'm busy. I'm too busy for God to make the public announcement that I have been made royalty. We hide among our fear. We hide among past rejection and lies. We hide in past disappointment and we hide in our anger. And there's a thousand more that we could put on the list. And I want to ask you this morning, when are you going to get sick and tired? Because God is calling for you and trying to find you among the stuff so that this morning he can make a public announcement and say, I have made you, I have made each one of you, I have made Randy royalty, and it's time for the public announcement and not find us hiding behind something in our crazy past. Some of us, some would hide here this morning and say, well, I'm, I'm Baptist. I've never heard of royalty in Baptist. That sounds like only royalty I ever know in Baptist would be Billy Graham. He's the closest I would know. No, Billy Graham just has happened to realize he's, he's royalty. One among millions. Don't hide behind being Baptist. If you, you, you can take that up with E.G. He'll, take, he'll talk to you about that. <laughs> I want to tell you this morning what this world needs is for the church to realize who we are and quit accepting the labels and the, and the statements that are made about the church. I want to tell you, when we begin to function as the royalty, no, there's not an act of arrogance in that royalty. It's humility. It's being called under an authority to share a reality with people in need, to tell the lost about a Savior who came, to, tell, to help those around the world I want to tell you, you saw the evidence this morning a little bit, just a little bit of what happens when, when, when we begin to recognize we're royalty. Because you can give $100,000 when there's no $100,000 to give. You can give $36,000. You can give the $12,000 it was given the week before because that's not unusual for royalty. That would be real odd for paupers. That's not at all unexpected of royalty. I don't care whether you're giving the dollar or whether you're giving a hundred or you're giving a thousand or ten thousand. It doesn't matter the amount. Royalty gives. Because we understand I have an access to an unmeasurable amount of reality of supernatural provision that I can hand someone and it will never run dry. What an amazing, amazing reality. 
we're going to do something a little different, and that doesn't surprise you at all. I'm not asking for a public... There were several things that went through my mind, and I have to confess they were all in my mind. Because if I could have figured out how to done it, I'd I'd have had a crown for everyone this morning, and you'd have walked up and we'd have put a crown on your head so that you'd know and you would accept that you were royalty. But that would have made you a king externally. I desperately need for you to believe that you're a king internally. That you're royalty inside. The outside will create arrogance. The inside will create humility. And I don't think there is a real good public demonstration for that, so I'm not going to ask you to move this morning. You certainly can. You can come to the altar. You can talk to me. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. I'm going to ask you this morning to do one thing, and we're going we're gonna to sing a song, and I know it's one that you have, probably haven't heard before. And so uh, it's not easy to sing songs that you don't know loudly or robustly. But I'm going to ask you this morning, as you begin to catch on to this song, because it's very simple, I'm going to ask you, to, as a reflection of your royalty, I'm going to ask you to sing like royalty that it would just roll out of you. Because what that says is I've come out from the hidden, I've come out from the stuff, I've come out from the baggage that has kept my mouth shut for so long, and I'm going to sing praises to him. And I know this is going to sound very odd, but uh, Wade, I'd like for you to take that microphone and sing. Well, if you can do that too, if you'd like to. And I, and I, Bridger, was that a moan I heard from you when I called your dad's name? Well, are you sure? Because I would have got you on this microphone. <laughs> All right, Jay, it was you that was supposed to be on this one. And I'll, and I'll be on this one. I'm just going to ask you to stand. We're just going, David, we're just going to sing the first song. Let's stand together and let's sing. Let's sing it like royalty. At the end of this, we're going to be dismissed. <laughs>